0: really center around Jesus and recalibrate. So, we want to get into some scriptures, but before I do, I want to see if I could define a word for you guys. So, let me just, just a second here. Joel, I'll take care of this. One second. Okay, just got to get a little more high end there. Okay, so there is a word that I want to talk about today which is the word jaded. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The word jaded? You ever heard it? Everybody ever been jaded over anything? Yep. Jay Crazy, I love you, bro. Bro, you sounded good on that guitar. You always sound good, bro. Um, but there's, there's something that's really weird about human nature, which is that you, go, you do anything for long enough, and you're going to hate it, no matter how good it is and you're probably wondering why this has anything to do with fasting, I will give you a clue. Um, in the Oxford Dictionary, this is what the word jaded means. It means tired, bored, or lacking enthusiasm, typically after having had too much of something. There's some synonyms here. Oh, and here's an example. Meals to tempt the most jaded appetites. That's the, that's the example they give. Similar words are satiated, sated, surfeited. I don't know what that word really means. Glutted, cloyed—that's another weird word. Gorged, dulled. Notice there's um, some real ties to food here. Anybody picking that up? So you probably know where you know the tie-in is coming with fasting. This is the—I'll the, give you the teaser. I like giving teasers. My wife Amy is huge into teasers. We can't watch a movie without her going and looking up on like IMDB or like Wikipedia what the entire synopsis is right ahead of time, and then we watch the movie. Don't know what that's about, but she loves teasers, so I'm going to give you one today. There is something about being in the game for a long time, doing the same thing, doing the routine, being in the fight for a long time, over and over and over, that causes us to get jaded. Does anybody know what i 'm talking about? This is one of those mornings or afternoons I guess I got to get used to saying afternoon. Um, I could any amening that you have, I appreciate it. It helps me out i 'm just a beginner on this stuff. Um, but there's something about human nature and the things of God it 's the things of God we 're not talking about just food here we 're not just talking about entertainment we're not talking about being tired of your favorite show we're talking about the creator of the universe the one who's supreme magnificent above everything created you and your life is the source of everything good and yet we get tired of the things of god We get tired. You know, and really, where I really want to go today is even us getting tired of the promises of God. There's a lot about this 40-day season of prayer and fasting that has everything to do with the promises that God has spoken over this city. They are nothing but epic. I don't know if you guys know that. You should look into the history of the city where you are. I don't care if you're only here for three months. Your life has a role to play. The fact that you're a Christian sitting in these seats, walking around these streets means you have a role to play in the plan of God for this city. And the plan of God for this city is nothing less than to be the birthplace of missions to the ends of the earth to usher in the second coming of Christ. If you think I'm exaggerating, come to me afterwards and I will break it down for you. Another great way is to go listen to some other messages that we have from Vision Sunday. But it's real. God has incredible promises over this city. The enemy has tried to steal it away and bury those promises, and bury the people of God. But how many of you guys know, that's not how the story ends. That's not how God leaves things with his people. But if we're going to get anywhere, we have got to stay latched on to the promises of God. There's no other way. I grew up in the church. um, And, uh, well, actually, my family was saved out of... uh, Of all things Scientology, when I was like two years old. Thank uh, God I never really had to get too familiar with that. There's some reasons that my family had been in that, but we got saved out of that thanks to some good friends. Don't discount the power of just being a good, faithful witness. That's how 99% of us get saved. So, in case anybody here thinks you need to be Billy Graham, I I can point you at some statistics of how people really get saved. Just be a good witness. It's really simple, but thankfully my family got saved. It was a huge godsend, but um, I've been in the church ever since I was like five years old. I've been serving in the church ever since I was like seven. <laughs> I've been playing instruments and eventually leading worship once I got up the courage for most of my life, and I don't know if any of you guys relate to this. Some of you may have grown up in the church. Raise your hand if you grew up in the church. Anybody here? Okay, good, good number of us. So, For those of us who did, there's certain things when you hear them for the first time, maybe it's the gospel, maybe it's the promises of God, maybe it's the fact that God wants to speak today. That was a big one. And I got around a community, our family eventually landed in the charismatic church because we were looking for the presence of God. It seemed like nobody really cared about the Holy Spirit anymore in the churches that we were going to, and we ended up in a Pentecostal church, then a charismatic church, as my family was seeking the real deal. And when My mom grew up knowing she heard the voice of God but was lost, completely lost, and when she finally found the, you know, Jesus, she was like, okay, but I know God speaks. So we wound up in Charismatic Church. And I know a lot of people, and I've grown up in this region, New England, my whole entire life. And I've gotten to know a great many people who I really dearly love. And some of them have stayed the course really well, but a lot of them are jaded. And it's not because of anything that God did. It's because they stuck around. Actually, I'll break it down. This doesn't even have anything to do with my message, but they just heard the same thing over and over and over and didn't find a way to apply it and got frustrated. That's really the bottom line. And some of those things come from missed expectations. And if your expectation is constantly to be, oh, God's anointed me, so I'm going to be a Billy Graham, guess what? We only need so many people up here. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) We don't need that many people on a microphone. You know? I mean, if you're called to that, that's awesome. Most of us are called to preach the gospel clearly to someone in your cubicle. That is really how it works. And to be honest with you, I don't perceive this as being the greatest fruit of my life by far. Actually, it's our community group, which we hugely enjoy leading, and it's my desk mate at my shared office. And um, those are long games, my friend. Those are really long games, but it's, it's worth it. But back to being jaded. I have, I have a, an interesting story for you. Um, I'm an all or nothing person. Any of my friends, my wife can tell you that. Anybody can tell you that. I'm either not moving or I'm pedal to the metal. That's the only two modes I've got. <laughs> Very binary. So one night, this was like seven years ago. And uh, where's Izzy? Is she, is she around? Oh, there you are. You know this, yeah. You probably know what I'm about to say, but there was this prayer set. It was about 8:45 at night. We were wrapping up. It's a good prayer set. I should have probably been focused on the Lord, focused on what we were praying about. Um, I was to a degree, but all of a sudden, I don't know how, I don't know why, out of the blue, I wasn't even that hungry. Out of the blue, I got this immense, strong, specific craving for fried dough, and I did what any sane person would do, and as soon as the prayer set was done, I looked up who made fried dough within a two-mile radius and was still open at 9 o'clock at night. And so I found this place called Big Daddy's down the street, and it's about as sketchy as the name would imply. So not kidding, that is what it's called. I'm pretty sure they're not just serving food there. Don't know what else is going on, but there's definitely a side hustle. So I went down there. Izzy, I think, were you in the car? You jumped in with me. We were living in the same house at the time. So we we all got in the car. We went down to Big Daddy's, ordered myself up, a huge thing of fried dough, brought it home, and just gorged myself. (laughs) I just ate fried dough until I literally couldn't move. Now, at that moment, fried dough was the best thing in the world. It was the thing I wanted the most. And 10 minutes later, you could not have paid me to eat any more fried dough whatsoever. In fact, no longer. No, not only could I not move, I was in pain. This is just a glimpse into my personality, guys. Like, this is really what my wife has to work with. So I was in pain. I couldn't move. Feeling sharp pains, I had to go walk up and down Western Avenue at 10 o'clock at night so that I could somehow get everything just kind of reorganized so that I would be able to have, like, some, you know, relief of the pain. There's, there's just something really interesting about the fact that, you know, our cravings, our desires, everything looks better over there. Everything looks better somewhere else. We're always reaching. It's a sad thing about the American dream, isn't it? We're just reaching constantly, and you get it, and you're like, that's pretty disappointing to the next thing but the promises of god are a long game they're not just something that you get momentarily and then you just are there and then heaven's on earth i don't know if i just triggered anybody who's charismatic (laughs) i believe in heaven on earth piece by piece i don't believe in kingdom now theology though and um, you probably shouldn't either i can talk with you about that too but, you know, we're not just going to see everything just get fixed instantaneously just because God did one thing, just because God healed one person. You know, if you read the Bible, when Jesus healed somebody, often there was mixed results. It didn't just mean that everything was just suddenly all better. So there's something about holding on to the promises of God. These friends of mine, not only do I know jaded people, I know people who've walked away from the faith simply because they went hard and they, their expectations were for something that were not necessarily what God was promising. See, we take the promises of God and we translate it into our own version of whatever God wants to do. We translate it into what I want. That's really what we do. We put times on it. We put dates on it. Just because we want to see God do something at a certain time. And we really want to have our life just transform overnight. We want to be happy. And God might just be saying, no, I'm working on this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And then we're going to work on this thing. And we're just like, oh, we're working on this thing. And this is going to be great. And then this is all going to be better. And that's not necessarily how the promises of God work. We go from hyped up to burnt out. And I just want to say this morning, the promises of God don't have anything to do with hype. They don't have anything to do with us, you know, manufacturing and making bigger what God is going to do. I will say this, though. What happens, what causes us to become burnt out is that we make temporary what God is doing for the long run. We make into a momentary win, a momentary battle, things that God is working on for generations. Let me ask you this question. What if the work of your life was just to see the next generation, not even your own children, perhaps you might not have children, but to see the next generation walk into the promises of God and see revival how does that sit with us? For many of us, we can't imagine living that way because I need to see myself become a big shot. I need to see myself become a rock star. I need to see myself become a successful business person. I need to see myself with three cars, one of them's a Maserati, a white picket fence, the perfect house. If it doesn't line up for that for me, then I'm not in. That's our mentality. When God builds for generations, you know, there's people who dug trenches in the Spirit, who pastored for decades and decades and saw nothing, but you have benefited from their lives. Anybody ever read Brother Lawrence? Anybody ever read Practicing the Presence of God? Is that, is that such an inspiring book? If you haven't read it, I encourage you to pick up a copy. It's not gospel It's not perfect theology, but it is a relationship with God on paper, and when you read it, you have no choice but to get in the presence of God. It is that compelling, and it is that life-changing. It wasn't even written by him. It was written by his friend. He was content to live in poverty as a monk, in isolation, invisible to anyone else, just practicing the presence of God, communing with the Holy Spirit while he did dishes for the other monks studying the scriptures that was his life he wasn't looking to create a best selling book that would be read by millions and millions but it's not a, the impact of our life is not measured in what we achieve while we're here on this earth And there's this element of the American dream that's wrapped itself around every concept we have about church to such a degree that the promises of God get spoken over your life. They get spoken over the church. We hear it. We know it's of God. And we get completely disillusioned and we become jaded because it doesn't fit our measure of success. It's like investing. You can't just invest and then open that account back up in like five or ten years. You don't open that thing up in two months. You don't open it up in four years. You open it up in 30 years and you find out that some sort of crazy compound interest has been happening and you actually have a fund now. That's how that works. you got to keep pouring into that thing relentlessly for years and years and years and years. You can't just You can't just do a pot shot and just speculate on that thing. That's not how investing works. It's just a simple, natural principle. And somehow we think that because we're charismatics, and because God is powerful, he wants to somehow supersede the the way that he normally works. But in the reality, this is such a profound thing that I heard one time during a prayer set. It's one of those few times that I heard the voice of God. It wasn't the voice of the devil telling me to eat fried dough this time. It wasn't, it wasn't my own... I don't know if that was the devil or my sinful appetites or just natural appetites. I will never know, probably, until I reach eternity. But this time, I was praying, and I heard the voice of God. We were praying for revival. This was a long time ago. We were praying with a group of people, um, most of whom are not any longer praying for these things. I, maybe me and one other person are the people left still praying for these things. And this is only like nine years later. And um, just as an example of how jaded and, you know, how jaded we get. And then we have to quit just because we can't, you can't keep going. You know, it's true. What is that? What is that scripture? I should have it. But um, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Somebody help me out. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. Thank you, honey. So it's in Proverbs. There's, There's a reality about hope deferred. What are we putting our hope in? What are we, you know, as we're fasting for 40 days, just to kind of keep us all focused in, because I know I can definitely go on bunny trails and I might lose some of you guys, but bringing it back in, this is about the 40-day fast that we are on. Specifically, this is about the promises of God over your life, over this church, and over this region that we are praying into. We're not just fasting so that we can deny ourselves food. We're fasting so that we can become sensitized to the Holy Spirit. So that we are fueled to pray harder. So we are fueled to pray, not with a jaded spirit, but with a sensitive heart. That just says, God, I want to know what you're doing. And I want to partner with it. And I want to pray for that. I want to pray into it. I want to partner with you. And that's what fasting does. It sensitizes us to be able to do that. But we think that prophetic words just mean that we're going to somehow suddenly see something. I will say this. One day we will see exponential growth of the body of Christ. We will see exponential deliverance and healing. But it won't be because someone came to town and yelled on a microphone. It won't be because we had incredible rock music. And I'm sorry, I love rock music because we play it. But that's what we're playing Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that genre. It's really good. It's a great genre for doing worship music. But we have to remember that just because we have a good sound system and because we have an award winning band, I'm not necessarily talking about us, although we have a good band. um, But I'm saying, like, you go listen, I'll just drop names. You go listen to Bethel, you go listen to Hillsong, have a good time, worship God, get into it. That is awesome, that is of God. But just because somebody came to town with a big microphone does not mean any sort of move of God is coming. And we know this, but somehow, we, we somehow get ourselves hyped up so that maybe this time, maybe this is it, maybe, the, maybe if I just go to this concert with Casting Crowns or with Bethel or somebody, I'll get changed, I'll get rocked. I mean, go with expectation that you'll get changed. But it's not going to be because some band came to this city that this city gets changed. It's not going to be because some big-name speaker packed out TD Garden. It's going to be because a company of people held on to the promises of God, relentlessly praying year after year after year in obscurity. Almost every theologian can point the missions movement, all of it, back to the Moravians. A group of people who prayed two by two for a hundred years in obscurity. People who were so radical in their faith, that they would sell themselves into slavery so they could reach just 300 slaves on an island that their master had vowed would never hear the gospel. So they sold themselves as slaves to reach those people. But we don't know about these people. We just simply reap their benefits. And the modern church is built on the back of that kind of mission movement. But it was birthed out of two people at a time praying in a prayer room. The move of God is going to come because the people of God didn't give up. Because we kept going. Because we kept doing church. Because we kept discipling. Because we kept reaching out to our neighbors. Because you didn't just get jaded in your life. And you didn't just, help me out. I appreciate it. I need it. To some degree i'm already i've already got this it, to some degree fire but i'll take some more encouragement but it, it'll it'll come because we didn't give up in our own lives revival does start with you revival does start in your own heart and when we become jaded it is a great time to fast it is a great time to start praying it is a great time to start saying god i don't care The way that I used to care, I don't live this the way that I used to live it. You know, there's just a really amazing quote that I want to jump on down to. I was going to end with this, but then we got to get into some scripture, and then I get—I got to end right now. Never mind. Okay. Does anybody know that I got to summarize some things? My goodness, I got to watch the clock. Um, The children of Israel. Let's go to Numbers 13 for just a quick second. I got to grab my Bible. Forgot that. Numbers 13. We're just going to go to one specific verse here since we don't have time to go through the whole story, but these 12 scouts get sent out to scout out the promised land, and they come back, and only one of them is excited about it, Caleb. The rest of them will never know. Well, we can see their names, but nobody really cares because they turned the children of Israel to revolt, and God was so tired of the whole thing. He wanted to start over and just say, Moses, let me just start with your lineage. We'll make a new nation. But Moses interceded. Hallelujah. There's an example of intercession. 1325. After exploring the land, they returned um, return to Moses. Go on down to verse 30. Um, Caleb quiets the people and says, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But everybody else has seen the giants. Go on down to 1420. Sorry, I'm trying to go fast, and I'm missing verses. But uh, this is what the Lord said after he hears all of this. The Lord said, I will pardon them as you've requested. Moses intercedes for them. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people ever enter that land. The children of Israel who, who said, we want to go back to Egypt. They've all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed, both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they've tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. None of these who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant, Caleb, has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. The power of this is in that Caleb had been the exact same journey as all of the Israelites. He'd been trotting through a hot desert for years. And they were ready to go in the promised land. He was ready. No matter the obstacles, he had faith. But he was willing to stay the course. And he was the only one besides Moses and Aaron who got to go. Well, actually, Moses didn't get to go. But anyway, there's... The power of steadfastness, the power of staying the course takes a childlike heart that's not become jaded because of just, nah, I'm just become cynical. I'm just going to throw pot shots. I'm just going to take apart everybody else who's doing it. I'm just going to take apart this church over here. I'm going to take apart this speaker over there because I've heard it all before. There's an element of just hearing everything before that all of a sudden we're an expert all of a sudden, just because I can criticize something that I now know what I'm talking about. When sometimes we criticize things simply because we're just so tired of hearing the same thing over and over. But it's because of our own dull hearts where we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to search us and see what kind of wicked ways there are in us. The places where we've gotten tired of the presence of God. the Tired of the things of God. This is the quote I wanted to read and we'll end with this. This is from G.K. Chesterton. Ch- Chesterton. Good Lord. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> if you've ever taken care of a small child, that is definitely true. Um, our little niece has uh, taught us that lesson. Um, For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned. And grown old, and our father is younger than we. As we launch through this forty days, I'm going to tell you this: forty days will be over quickly, and we can go right back to our routine. I don't know what you're fasting, but if you go back to right, right back to watching our television shows, or right back to eating our favorite food, or right back to social media or whatever it is, it's so easy to just move right on, go through the motions, go through the reps, and I'm done with it. We're doing good. God, I checked off the box. But there's a whole other level that we could go to in this. If we ask God, where did I lose the wonder? Lord, where did I lose? Lord, that that glorious childlike faith. Lord, that childlike wonder that once was so excited for the things of God, so excited, and now it barely moves me. It barely moves my heart when I think about the promises of God over my life because I no longer believe. Close your eyes with me as we pray. God, I just ask that we would be delivered from a jaded spirit. I ask, Lord, that we would be delivered, God, from being spiritual adults. Bring us back to being spiritual children. Bring us back to that childlike wonder. Lord, that believes in You, Whatever you say and doesn't add to it or take away from it. Father, I ask that you would set us free of our expectations of you. The expectations that have subtly crept in, God, and wound themselves around it with the American dream, our dreams of success and making a name. God, I ask that you would bring us back to simplicity, God. What would revival look like for me? What would it look like For me to be on fire for God again. Some of you haven't even heard that language in a long time. I encourage you to lean back into it. Lord, we want to be on fire for you. Lord, we want to be aflame with your presence. And Lord, even as I stand here preaching today, God, I admit, Lord, there is much about my soul that is jaded and tired. God, I ask you, wash my ears, wash my mind from the places, Lord, that I have gotten so used to hearing the same things. The same phrases over and over. And Lord, I ask you, deliver me and deliver this church from jadedness, Lord. Deliver us from being a cynical people, Lord. People that have to take pot shots and take apart somebody else as soon as they see them getting a little bit of steam, a little bit of vigor in their walk with God. Well, you know, they're sort of like they talk back to this person. Well, you know, they don't manage their finances too well. God, I ask you, give us a spirit of wonder, Lord. Deliver us from cynicism of others and of you. God, I ask you to forgive us for the places that we've listened to the voice of the accuser. And Lord, make us a church of faith in this season. Lord, make us a church of childlike faith and wonder
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Will. You know, as Will was um, sharing with us this word that he had received from the Lord. Um, I couldn't help but thinking about Luke 18. Um, it's the story of the persistent widow. And I kind of just threw myself in the widow's shoes and I felt like, you know, what would I do if, if over and over and over and over again, I asked for justice, um, and I wasn't getting what I wanted. Would I stay or steady the course or would I get Jaden and just give up? Um, my son, I'm not going to preach another sermon. Um, I'll try not to, at least, because we have to get out of here. And Will did a fine job um, at 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 bringing us the word. Um, but my my son has this weird um, persistent thing going on. I guess I could I could call it. Uh, and and some of that is 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 really good, uh, and some of it is really annoying. Um, as I imagine this widow was with this judge. But um, God bless his soul. I I I guess in seeing his persistence, I've seen something that I've lacked and have. Kind of been missing in my life that I need back. And I think this is the heart of Will's sermon today, um, to, to not get jaded, but to keep on pressing into the promises of the Lord. You know in Luke 18, it, it was the promise of justice that the Lord loves justice and he'll bring justice, but the, the widow wasn't seeing justice, and so she continued asking to the point of annoying this king, and eventually his heart was turned. Uh, Back to my son, we'll go out, and he has, like, you know, he loves football. If you've been around this church, I've always, like, used him as um, kind of examples when I preach. Uh, But he plays football, and so, you know, I'm like his um, personal trainer, I guess, if you would. Uh, You know, he got sick last week, and so... after he like the sickness kind of lifted uh, it, some of his muscles were sore, and so I got some on guard and i 'm rubbing it in his muscles before his game and I, and I just felt like that guy, you know what i 'm saying and um, and so we uh almost without fail i mean the winter the winter's harder because it 's cold out and the weather's unstable, you know. But without fail, almost every day, we'll go dedicate about at least an hour to throwing and running routes. So I'm his quarterback, too. I'm not only his personal masseuse uh, and and the person that gives him his tips and encourages him. I am his quarterback. Uh, And I'm not that good at it. I could be honest, but he tolerates it um, because, well, he has to. I'm his dad. Um, But, you know, I can't... Something that is interesting about my son is he has probably like seven routes that he runs. Um, And... Uh, If you know Abram, he obsesses over that. He has to get these runs right, but he also has very good hands. Now, what's interesting about my son is if he misses a pass, okay, so keep in mind, he has about seven routes that he runs on any given game that he plays, but if he misses one pass in that he does not catch it or runs the route right, he will come to me and not only say, let's do it again, he will say, let's start from the beginning. You know, so we could be on route number nine and um, almost finished after an hour and a half of throwing the ball, and and he could drop past number 10, and it's not just like, hey, Dad, can we do number 10 again and say, hey, Dad, can we go back to number one and start from the beginning? And, And you know, this can be annoying, but as of lately, I've kind of cherished this about my son. Because if it was me, I'd just like, you know, I'd give up, right? I'd just be like, hey, listen, we tried this. I got to number nine. I dropped number 10. Let's just go in. Matter of fact, it's cold out here and it's raining. What are we doing anyways? But, but I can't help to think that that's some of the tenacity and persistence that Jesus wants to give us regarding his promises. We're so apt to, again, I'm not trying to preach sermon number two. Um, but we're so apt to giving up prematurely. Right? I think about this service, you know, you, you know, just a couple of weeks before starting a second service, it's like we were busting at the seams, like we were bringing chairs out, and it's just like, wow, God is doing something. Then we start a second service, and it all just kind of like peters out a little bit. The momentum kind of wanes a little bit, and and you're kind of caught up in like, are we going to continue this, Lord? Are we going to kind of like, you know, we feel like you've spoken to us. We feel like you've given us a promise here to continue uh, in proclaiming the gospel to people, as many people as we can. But, but there's not a lot of people showing up. Now, mind you, we're only on week Sunday too, so that would be kind of ridiculous to give up. But the thought crosses your mind from time to time. And, and, and I think God wants a faithful people And I think the the ways in which we get there is through persistence. It's doing uh, the work that we might sometimes not want to do. It's after dropping past nine, uh, getting back up, and not only just asking for past nine again, but saying, Dad, can you take me back to the beginning? And I think fasting is going to help us get back to the beginning of some real powerful things and needed things, not just for the life of the church, but your own heart's. Um, that's what I felt like saying. Will, thank you for bringing us the word. Yeah, you can put your hands together. Um, hey, so look around you. We got some work to do. It's one we We're a little bit behind the clock, but I got an okay from Mario. He's giving me two dates that he needs us out here by two, so we're doing pretty good. Um, listen, we got some work to do, all right? Like, we, we want to build this service. So, so get people here. Like, get people here, uh, as Will was, uh, was talking about his coworker. You know, who, who's working next to you? Who's in your classroom that your heart's been kind of uh, 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 stirred for and you've been praying for? Who's your neighbor? You know, um, who's somebody you just bump into on the streets? I mean, why not? Get them here. Get them exposed to the gospel, and let's grow this service.
0: Awesome. So um, all teardown teams, so a couple things. Stick with me before we start moving. So all teardown teams, including jong Su's team, um, so stations, operations, the big stuff, huddle over there in a minute okay so you guys can get a quick like you know divide and conquer type of thing everyone our guests again I said this last week we're family so if you can help bring your dishes to the sink so meaning if there's papers around you if you guys can please bring those toward the info center ushers today if you can also please do a double look if anything if people missed cups coffee cups, things like that, so assuring team, please, your area that you were passing the baskets, if you can do a double check. Um, and if you wanna join our volunteer team, I mean, guys, this is pretty fun, so please talk to Karen